Good morning, everyone. I hope you all are doing as good as you look because you're looking awful good to me. I had a question not long ago, had to do with vaccine mandates, and uh, I'd like to address that question uh, today. The question went something like this. Does a Christian have to take the COVID vaccine shot since uh, the government's pushing it? Uh, good news, uh, yesterday a federal court uh, stopped Biden from pushing this mandate on the American people. Uh, I don't know how how would it go from there. Uh, it'd probably go to the Supreme Court, I'm sure. But uh, this is a, an unconstitutional action uh, on the part of the White House. It's uh, not the place of the federal government to mandate uh, the way we live. That's supposed to be up to us. And this is uh, what I want to talk about uh, for a few minutes. Uh, in case I forget, let me answer the question right now. <laughs> no, you don't have to uh, take a shot just because the federal government says you have to. You don't always have to uh, obey government. That's one thing you want to keep in mind. The Bible teaches us to obey the government. But there are times when you really don't want to obey the government because it's not in your best interest to do so. And that's the way a lot of people feel about the COVID vaccine. I took the shot. Um, my BR took the shot. Uh, I'm not sure about my kids. Well, Amanda did, uh, but I don't know Mike did. I don't know uh, if Chris and Liz did or not, and never even asked them. Uh, that's uh, their business, not mine. But there are a lot of people who are reluctant to take the shot, and it's very unfair the way they're being treated now. Last year, they were talking about nurses being America's heroes, and now they're getting fired because they won't take the shot. Uh, same thing's true about policemen, firemen, and others. A lot have already been fired from their jobs, and uh, I think that's just an awful shame that something like this has happened. Uh, <clears throat> when socialists took control of the government, uh, I knew things like this was going to happen. I just didn't think about it happening so quickly. But uh, that is uh, the design and intent of the socialist movement uh, is to uh, control people uh, wherever that government may exist. Uh, it's, if, if you want to learn about socialism, just uh, these news channels run um, various programs on it. You can go back and look at Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, uh, Karl Marx. Uh, they were all socialists. And uh, you can see what the outcome of their movements were. And that's what we're seeing uh, right now is uh, the intent of uh, the federal government to force us to do things that we're not supposed to do. A lot of people don't want to take the COVID shot for a lot of different reasons. Uh, reasons I hadn't even thought of before. Some people don't want to take a shot because they're pregnant. Hadn't thought about pregnant people. Uh, they're worried about how it'll affect their, their baby. There hasn't been a, enough time hasn't gone by for anybody to know if it's going to be harmful, hurtful for a baby or not, or for the mother. As far as that's concerned, a lot of people are concerned because they're wanting to have a baby someday and they don't know what effect COVID shot will have on them. There's not a whole lot we know about the COVID shot. Uh, and a lot, of the, what's, a lot of the science is being rejected. There's so many different ways to argue this thing. Uh, natural immunity, they're not even talking about natural immunity. And we know scientifically that people who've had COVID have become naturally immune 
for a certain length of time at least and I don't need a shot. And I think last year about everybody had uh, uh, were, had the COVID and uh, became naturally immune. Older people uh, like uh, me uh, may uh, benefit from the shot. I don't know about everybody else. Uh, right now they're wanting to give it to five-year-old children. Mm, I have a little problem with that one. Uh, don't know too much about it. And uh, I would be a little bit fearful of uh, venturing too far if I had a young child. But my answer for the question is no, the government doesn't have a right to make you get the shot. No, you don't have to. However, it might cost you if you don't. Like I said, a lot of people have lost their job. Uh, I don't know how that'll turn out one day, uh, but for the moment, uh, places have uh, the right to fire you if that's what they choose to do. Thank God we live in Tennessee. I sure hate to live in California, New York, but uh, we fare much better here in our state than we would elsewhere. I wanna think about some things though that, that do relate to that question. Uh, the world of Jesus' day was a very hostile world. Uh, the Romans, they looked down on the Jews as uh, an inferior people and the Jews looked down on the Romans <laughs> as an inferior people. Neither one had much use for the other, but the Romans had the power. And because they had a power, they gave uh, the Jews a very hard time. Uh, they, they taxed them uh, like crazy, almost as much as we're taxed. Uh, they, they treated them uh, very badly. You could, you could be, a soldier could be walking down the road and there'd be a Jew standing there holding his garden, and that soldier might say, here, you come out here and pack my bag for me. And he'd have to carry his uh, bag for him for a mile down the road. No matter what he's doing, he had to quit and carry that bag. That's the way the Jews were. Whatever they wanted him to do, they could do. And they didn't think much about Jewish life either. Remember back when uh, Jesus was uh, born in Bethlehem? And the wise men, they, they, they fooled uh, Herod. He wanted them to find out exactly where the Christ would be born. And uh, they, they, they tricked him. They didn't go back and tell him where the Christ was born. And uh, in that text, Herod, he saw that he was deceived by the wise men and he became exceedingly angry. Well, what did the king do? Well, he put to death all the male children in Bethlehem and its districts from two years old and under. He just uh, mandated uh, the death of all the two-year-olds uh, in uh, Bethlehem. Well, after he slaughtered all those uh, babies, well, what happened to Herod? Nothing. Nothing at all. Why? They were just Jews. Doesn't matter. They had it tough. They had it tough. But on the other hand, they had a lot of good blessings too. For example, some of their privileges, they were not required to worship Caesar. The only people who didn't have to if they chose not to. They were free to maintain their priesthood, temple, and religious institutions without interference from the Roman government. The Sabbath could be observed. Mosaic laws and the wish to prohibit idols, including the emperor's idol, was upheld by the Romans. They didn't have to do that. Everybody else had to do it, but not the Jews, and even in this one. Rome upheld the law to execute a Gentile if he went into the inner chambers of the temple. They could uh, require him to be put to death and the Romans would put him to death for violating that law. 
They were despised, detested, looked down on, frowned upon. But at the same time, they enjoyed privileges that no other peoples enjoyed. It was bad, and it had some good, too. <clears throat> Jewish social reformers, uh, they hated the way they were treated. It wasn't fair. The government didn't have a right to do the things they were doing to them, and a lot of the Jews got angry. And some of the Jews who got angry, they took action. They did something about it. Uh, they revolted. One group uh, that was very popular among the revolters was a group known as Zealots. They, uh, they wanted to overthrow uh, the Romans. They wanted them out of Palestine. And they did all kinds of things. That they, they blew up some of their uh, factories. They blew up uh, some of their um, posts, uh, outposts, Roman outposts and things like that. Soldiers were killed in some of these actions. Uh, they, they detested Rome fiercely. And some people, I guess, they probably looked at them as champions of Israel. But it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, the Lord told people to be a peaceful people, but the Jews were determined not to be a peaceful people. Ultimately, in the year 70 A.D., that's why they were destroyed. They were destroyed because these people were a thorn in their side, and the Romans became uh, tired of it. So they, uh, they sent their legions into uh, Jerusalem, and uh, they slaughtered uh, many, many, many people. It's sad, I don't know if it's true or not, Josephus, sometimes he exaggerates just a bit, but he claimed that 1,100,000 people in Jerusalem and its environs uh, were killed during that time. 50,000 were taken back to Rome as a trophy to march around the city. But their re rebellion, the rebellion against the Roman government finally led to the annihilation of the Jewish state. That's what happens when you get tired of being treated badly and you decide to take matters into your own hands. Sometimes it backfires on people. Jesus deliver us. This is what the people wanted when they thought there was something to Jesus. I'm not sure they believed he was the son of God. I don't think they did. But they knew he was at least a prophet because he performed miracles that no man could possibly perform. And because of that, there was a lot of people that took up with him. As a matter of fact, many people wanted to take him and force him to be king of Israel. And Jesus, uh, he wouldn't have any part of it. He wouldn't have any part of it. He didn't call for political or social reform. Our Lord did not, even by peaceful means. He didn't attempt to capture the, cultural, the culture for biblical morality or to gain uh, greater freedom. He didn't push his morality on other peoples. He was uh, subtle in his activities. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't boisterous. He wasn't in your face. He was a, a very meek and lowly man. He didn't engage in establishing missions to house, to feed the poor. Jesus, unlike today where religion is um, very heavily involved in social programs, uh, Jesus had no part of such things. 
He, uh, he didn't establish a mission. He didn't establish an orphanage. Uh, he established nothing of the kind. Uh, all he did was proclaim the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, he was of a different mind. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. He didn't believe in a welfare state. If you want to live, you, you should work. And if you didn't work, then you shouldn't live long because nobody should feed you. Now, this, of course, isn't talking about the aged or the invalids. He's talking about Main Street people. We all know what's going on. Like today, for example, a lot of people won't go to work because the government's giving them so much money. Uh, a lot of people make more money staying home. I mean, golly, a lot of them make more money than I made when I was working. Uh, people are doing pretty good. Uh, he didn't believe in such things. These people, according to Jesus, uh, if they're unwilling to work, they shouldn't eat. But, of course, uh, our government isn't listening to him any longer. Uh, matter of fact, they've turned their back on uh, all of his advice and have decided to run the place uh, their way. Divine law uh, was established in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19. Because of sin, the Lord said, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, and you shall do that until the day you die. Man was to work for his daily bread. And if you didn't work for your daily bread, you shouldn't be eaten. This was the will of God from the beginning. Partly a punishment for sin. Most definitely to enhance, to build character in all peoples. But today that's really not the case. That's, I suppose, why he didn't build all these social programs that we see religious groups uh, doing today. He was of a different mind. Uh, Jesus came to speak the saving gospel, not to proclaim or establish a new social or moral order. That wasn't his beginning. Jesus came to establish a new spiritual order, that is his church. He wasn't involved or interested in the world. That wasn't his business. He was involved in establishing his church. That was his business. He's interested, he's concerned for the church. And that's what he desired to build. He didn't seek to make the old creation moral, but to make the new creation holy. Jesus was on a very different plane than so many of people who claim to be his people are today. Uh, when you look at the Christ of the gospel, you may not recognize him if you look at him through modern glasses because uh, he's very different. He's very different. His business uh, was the salvation of people, their well-being, their, uh, their increasing in life. He told us how to do it, but... He didn't get involved with the world. That was, uh, that was not his thing. That was uh, the possession of the world. It's our mandate as well, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is our mission, our work. It's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do what Jesus did. But sometimes churches too, they forget what Jesus was all about. And rather than building up the kingdom, they try to build up other things. Try to feed people who don't want to work, for example, violating the original command of God right from the beginning. 
you are not of this world, he frequently told his people. Therefore, and he split everything right down the middle. You, you give Caesar what's his, you give God what's his. The two are worlds apart. If Caesar wants your money, give it to him. Says he made it, give it back to him. The rest belongs to God. When you think about things, think that way. When you're trying to discern what you're going to do, remember who you are, who you belong to, and what's required of you. What is the Christian's responsibility to society and government? Well, there's a lot said in the scriptures. One thing we must keep in mind is that we are sojourners and pilgrims while we're in this world. Like the song says, we're, we're just passing through. This isn't home for us. We're here, you know, we drop into the world for 70 years, then we drop back out. We come, we go. That's the way the Lord meant it to be. He didn't mean for us to be at home in the world. He meant for us to train, to groom ourselves, to prepare for the world to come. Our destination, our home is in heaven with him. So while we're here, we don't get too comfortable. We work towards that eternal home. And it's a big difference. I, I own a farm, but you know, I know it's not my farm. When, when I leave here, it's somebody else is gonna take possession of it because it's not mine. If it's mine, I take it with me. But I can't take it with me. Therefore, I know it's not really mine. I'm just borrowing it for a short time. We shouldn't forget who we are. If we do, we may not think right when it's time for us to think. Because we are not of this world, we are to abstain from fleshly lusts. We all lust for stuff. Boy, I know I do. There's a lot of stuff I really like to get my hands on. But I can't sacrifice my life as a Christian in order to lay my hands on some of the things I'd like to have. Like to have a 57 Chevy. I'd really like to have a 57 Chevy. But uh, I'm not supposed to go all out for a 57 Chevy. If a lot of money dropped in my lap and I could afford one, I'd buy it. But I'm not going to give up my work, say, as a preacher or teacher so that I can make money and have a 57 Chevy. That would be the wrong thing to do. I know I'm just temporary. Paul's instructions about our relationship to the government is found in the book of Romans, chapter 13, 1 through 7. It's not the only place that we have instructions, but it's probably the most comprehensive set of instructions uh, there are. Uh, Peter adds uh, more information uh, to our understanding about our relationship to the government, but I only want to focus on uh, the first part of verse 1 of Romans chapter 13 because it pertains to what we're talking about today. Paul said, let every soul be subject to governing authorities. You know, there's a lot of governing authorities in the world. We have uh, the husband and the wife. Let wives be in subjection to their husband. The husband is the governing authority. The same thing is said about uh, children and parents. The children aren't supposed to honor their parents. The parent is the governing authority. Masters and slaves. The masters are the governing authority. And slaves are to act appropriately towards them. And then, of course, there's the civil government. Civil government is a servant of God. God ordained civil government so that there could be peace in a society. 
he ordained civil government for the purpose of protecting good people. That bad people would be punished, that good people would be treated well. That's God's intention for civil government. Now, it's all been out of whack, but that's what the Lord intended for civil government to do. Punish the evil and to praise the good. It doesn't always work that way, however. There's a lot of authorities, but in our text, Paul's talking about civil authority. Let every, be so, sub, let every soul be subject to the government you live under. And of course, all things are to be in subjection to God and his kingdom. It encompasses the world and everything that is in it. Everything owes its very existence to God and is supposed to take instruction from him. For you and I, I think the challenge is our dual citizenship. Sometimes it gets a little bit confusing. Uh, we are uh, citizens, for example, of the United States, but we're also citizens of the kingdoms of God. We have dual citizenship in that sense. And it's hard sometimes to separate the two because, hey, let's face it, they're daylight and dark. In the United States is covered in darkness. The kingdom of God is covered in light. I mean, you're looking, you're looking at apples and oranges when you look at the two, the two kingdoms. But we happen to be citizens of both, and we have to discern how to treat each, where each should be placed in our list of priorities. Our Lord says, seek first the kingdom of God. There's a reason why he said that. We can't seek both kingdoms. You can't seek the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the United States. No man can serve two, two masters, the Lord said. It's got to be one or the other. And he said, make sure that the kingdom of God always comes first, over and above our responsibilities towards the civil authority we live under. Paul said, let every soul be subject to the higher uh, authorities. Well, the highest authority is God. So he always comes first. What he wants is the highest priority of our life. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And that's why he said it because we are citizens of the divine kingdom and God always comes first. Somebody asked me one time why I got so bent out of shape over abortion. It's because God hates abortion. And I've learned to hate what God hates. He hates abortion, I hate abortion. The, the killing of innocent unborn children just drives me up a wall. And the very idea that people would gladly slaughter upwards now of 55 million children. You know, we talk about Herod slaughtering the children of Bethlehem. I've read estimates where it may have been no more than 20 babies <clears throat> under the age of two in Bethlehem. I don't know how accurate that number is, but we've watched the slaughter of 55 million children since Roe versus Wade was passed in 1973, the better part of my adult life, I've watched and lived in a nation that approves of murdering babies. And it just absolutely breaks my heart. And the very idea that money that I make 
is taken away from me so that some woman can have her baby put to death. It's terrible. It's said that Stalin and Hitler was responsible for the death of 50 million souls during their lifetimes. And yet our nation is guilty for more deaths than caused by both Stalin and Hitler put together. And we're the good guys. We wear the white hats. My father hates it. And so do I. Because I'm on his side. He's most important. There's a time to disobey government. I don't know if I can be arrested for saying that or not. I guess I'll find out this week. But there is a time when we are to disobey government. Matter of fact, if we don't, uh, we'll be sinning against God. Let me show you a few biblical examples. The king of Egypt versus the uh, Hebrew midwives. Jewish population was growing. The king of Egypt was fearful that they'd soon outnumber the Egyptians, and if they wanted to, they could overthrow the Egyptian government and take control of the land. Therefore, he decided to head it off at the pass. He decided that it'd be best if they killed the male children. So he sent out an edict, and the edict was, if a woman has a baby and it's a son, these midwives who were always there to deliver the children, they should kill that baby. Every time it's a little boy, you put that little boy to death. If it's a girl, you keep her alive. The king of Egypt may want to marry her one day. But if it's a little boy, you put him to death. But the midwives, they knew they were citizens of God's kingdom, and they put God first. The midwives that feared God and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them to do. Why? They were seeking first the kingdom of God. Though they were instructed by the government to slaughter these babies, they refused to do it because it was the wrong thing to do. Whenever we're told to do something that we ought not do, we don't have to do it. And if we do do it, we violate our conscience in the process, and that becomes sin itself. Jesus told his apostles, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. Notice the language, please. Whatever they tell you to do, you do it. Now that word whatever is a big word. Whatever they tell you to do, what if they tell you to kill the little baby boys that are born? Is that what they're supposed... He said whatever. Doesn't whatever mean whatever? Not if the text doesn't demand it, which obviously in this text it does not. <clears throat> Their rulers had Peter and John standing before them. They were preaching the gospel, and that was becoming a problem for these people. And they had... Peter and John to stand before them because they wanted to find them guilty of a crime, but they could not. 
they commanded them, therefore, not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now here was a command that was given to them by their government, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Jewish Sanhedrin. That was their government, another government. They had the Roman government, and they are also subservient to the Hebrew government. And their Hebrew leaders said, don't talk in this man's name anymore. Don't preach his gospel anymore. You know, we, we're hearing things like that now. There are things that preachers are not supposed to say. It's wrong to say some things. Matter of fact, I seen uh, last year where in New York City, if you refer to a person as an illegal immigrant, you could be fined $24,000. All kinds of things going on, things we can say. This cancel culture is canceling everything. If you say something you're not supposed to say, then that puts you on the outs. Well, that's what was happening here. This is cancel culture. Don't talk about this man anymore. We're canceling Jesus. And we don't want to hear about it. Peter and John should quit speaking. No. Well, they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. What do you think we ought to do, big boy? Should we listen to God? Or should we listen to you? Well, they knew they were supposed to listen to God. There was nothing they could say. And Peter and John shut them down. There are times when the governing authority tells you what to do, but you should not do it. Sometimes it's because it's a violation of divine law. Sometimes because it violates your conscience. Either way, you've got to live by both divine law and your conscience. James said when we violate our conscience, we commit sin in the fourth chapter of his letter. We have to be careful. We want to seek first the kingdom of God in all things. This is how we discern or how we decide what we shall or shall not do. Paul knew that peace wasn't always possible. He demonstrates that in a number of places. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he said, if it is possible. Why would Paul phrase it this way? Because he knew sometimes it is just not possible to live at peace with all men. Sometimes you can't do it. They won't let you. Sometimes men are so mean or so ornery that they won't let you live in peace. As long as it's possible, as much as lies within you to negotiate, you negotiate it. But there's going to be times when it's not possible. Well, what do we do then, Paul? He didn't answer it. I guess he figured we'd have enough sense to figure it out. But whenever possible, live at peace with all men. And sometimes when it's not possible... Well, we got to do what we need to do. We've got the word of God in our consciences to guide us. And we should have our eyes wide open and always seek first the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, I want the Lord to be happy with me. That's what matters. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what Biden thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. The only thing that matters is what does the Lord think about me today? Does he approve of me or disapprove? That's the only thing that really matters. Because 
It's been my experience that most people won't approve of it. It's been that way for a long time. Abraham Lincoln referred to a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Notice the language. Of the people, by the people, for the people. Things have changed since Lincoln's day. Things have changed. Socialism, socialists, don't want a government of the people. They want a government over the people. That's what mandates are all about. Being over you. See, the thing about us, our country, I should say, our government, is that it's very, very, very different than the government of the first century, the Roman Empire. Uh, we are the government. We are the governing body. Now we appoint representatives who are supposed to represent our views. Uh, it's like something like 74% of Americans, they don't like the southern border being left wide open for people to come running across at their leisure. American people don't like that. And now the government's going to start cutting checks for people who were detained, which, of course, whenever you're detained, you're separated from your family. You catch a man, for example, a father and a husband, sneaking into the country illegally, they grabbed them and they detained them, which caused them to be separated from their family until they worked it out. It's kind of like they do us, you know. If we do something illegal, they, they put me in jail and I'm separated now from my, my wife and my children. Well, a lot of that happened as these criminals keep running across the border. And now uh, the Department of Justice decided that they're going to cut checks, $450,000 for the parent and $450,000 for each of their children because of the distress of being separated. You break our law, you come into the country illegally, and we'll give you a million bucks. I don't know, that don't sound right. And most people, they don't think it's right. But our leaders, they don't care. Though we have a government that is of the people, though they are our representatives, Though in reality, we are the boss. They don't listen. They do as they want to do. Because it's not really of the people. They are over the people. And it will be their will that prevails. I could go down an entire laundry list of things that have happened in the last nine months things that have happened that the American people do not approve of, things that are tearing our nation apart, dividing people against each other, 
dividing black people against white people. I don't know why anyone would want this to happen, but it's happening. And it's a terrible thing to happen. It's a shame. We are to seek first the kingdom of God, whatever the situation might be. Regarding the mandate, you do what you need to do. You do what you need to do. In the end, I'm pretty sure the Supreme Court is going to shut Biden down. What will happen to all the people who have been fired? I don't know. Maybe a very large cash payout. I hope so. I hope so. But uh, it's a shame what people are being put through. You are my brothers and sisters. If you don't want the shot, don't take it. Don't tell them the preacher said that. <laughs> uh, they got it on the internet. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter really. Everything you say, man, they got a ear listening. Pick up those key words. That's okay. I don't mind a little jail time. As long as I ain't in there with Bubba. You, uh, it's, 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 it's become challenging to be a Christian again. It's become challenging. We, uh, we're kind of between a hard place and a rock. It used to be so easy. But now it's becoming uh, more and more difficult all the time. They've schooled me in what I can say about homosexuality, for example. There are some things uh, I can say, some things I cannot say. And uh, all of us can be sued, <laughs> or the church can be sued if I speak out of course. Uh, several have been already. Uh, th things are changing. But uh, you don't have to change. You're the sons and daughters of God. You make sure God's happy, and it's all right. If you are not a Christian, you should be. That's the only reason why we're here, is to make that decision to be one. You, you can be a Christian if you believe in Jesus, repent of sin, be buried in water for forgiveness of sin. As a Christian, it, it, it can be hard. It can be hard. But we need to be true to God and one another. Always helping each other. Trying to do the right thing at least. <laughs>